If you're a first or second time guest with us today, we're watching online. Uh, we're pretty charismatic here. <laughs> I just had this conversation this week, and, and it's like uh, uh, there was just so much abuse during the charismatic movement that the churches just kicked the Holy Spirit out, and they just don't want anything to do with it because it's messy and it's scary. And honestly, just because a couple people abused it doesn't mean it's not real. And I'll prove it to you. Dust this off and read it. And you will see how charismatic God is. So God gave us another unplanned news series. And uh, as Angel was telling everybody not to let their phone be a distraction, God spoke something to me. I had my phone out and I was writing for next week's message. Something that he spoke to me. So I wasn't being disobedient to my wife. Uh, I was trying... If I, don't, if I don't write it down, I'll, I'll forget about it, and then I have to go to the Holy Spirit and ask him to bring it back, which he can sometimes, but at 54 years old, I still walk into rooms and forget while I walked in, so uh, I had to get it down, so, so isn't it cool? I'm about to deliver this message, and he's already speaking to me about next week. I had a plan for the first of the year, and it's out of the window for now. Because if you're going to believe in God, if you're going to follow Jesus, if you're going to listen to the Holy Spirit, you better get used to getting rid of what you want to do from time to time. There's a lot of times he'll let you do what you want to do. Right, believers? It doesn't change just because you're an adult. Because it is still, just like with children, all about obedience. Last week we talked about the Apostle Paul's thorn in his flesh and the fact that all of us have a thorn in our flesh some of us face that hard thorn and fight it every day. But you know, some of us don't face the hard. And we numb ourselves from it every day through addictions. So one correction I will make is I, I actually said that your addiction is your thorn. It's not. You actually use addiction to numb yourself from your thorn. And you won't face it. That's what addiction does. So you never deal with the thorn. You never... Real, you never, you never Find out from God how he wants to leverage the abuse that happened to you for the kingdom of God. You numb it and you never deal with it. And so it's never leveraged for the kingdom of God. And you're fine. Everybody that says, how are you doing? You're, you're good. You even start ministries and yet you're still not whole. And you talk to people about Jesus as if he solved all of your answers, but secretly you're numbing yourself from answers that you have not received. So just be, be vulnerable with God. Be vulnerable with us. Be vulnerable with yourself. Don't numb yourself from your thorn. Face it. Deal with it. Get healing in that place. Some of us don't know that we have a thorn. While others don't know that they are the thorn for somebody else. <laughs> And Alan found out last week that he's definitely a thorn in the flesh in Kristen, right? Because she put a picture of him up on, the, up on the screen. So we'll be praying for her relationship with Alan. She's brand new at running the PowerPoint, and she's getting picked on second week. She's doing a great job. Thank you for stepping up, Kristen. And she has a baby, and she's still stepping up. So you can come up with all kinds of excuses why you're not serving the church, but we're going to talk about that next week. <laughs> Good day to go on vacation. The point from last week was, what if it didn't matter what Paul's thorn was as much as how he responded to it? And the same is true for you and me. What kind of testimony, and Bobby's the one that pointed this out, in order to have a testimony, you have to go through a test. Testimony. 
What kind of testimony will come from your thorn if you have one? In other words, what do, you, what do I want the world to know about my God while I'm going through a difficult season? What do I want the world to know about my God while I'm going through a difficult season? So I was actually inspired with today's message from a, just, a, just a random email that I received from a Christian man who is launching a clothing brand. So God can speak through emails. Uh, the clothing brand is called The Finishers, and his message for why he was launching this clothing brand really intrigued me, and it, and it gave me a message. Uh, so I just kind of expounded on um, his mission statement, and he was basically preaching in his mission statement. So for today, I again want to bounce off part one of this series on resolutions, and like the Apostle Paul himself strived for, and what he encouraged us to do all throughout his teachings, I want to talk about finishing strong. And I want, to, I want us to ponder the, the title, the question today, which is our title, Are You a Finisher? Am I a finisher? Paul is the one who's, who set goals while having a thorn in his flesh. And he still insisted on finishing strong. Because here's the dealio, the real deal, as Rick put it in the announcements. The real deal. And you can apply this to any natural relationship or situation. Here it is in your notes. The moment we are born naturally. The more, the, or maybe it's not in your notes yet, actually. The moment we are born naturally or born again spiritually, the test begins. The moment we are born at birth, the test begins. The moment we are born spiritually, born again, the test begins. Now, what is the test? I'm really glad you asked because it's in my notes. Here it is in a nutshell in your notes. How we live determines how we finish. How are you living? How we live now determines how we will finish this race. However, I'm not done. Also, how we finish determines our eternity. How we live determines how we finish, and how we finish determines our eternity. Matthew 24, 13 from the New Living Translation says this. But the one who what? What does that mean? Stands firm in their faith, remains faithful, holds out, stays true to God. The one who endures to the end will be the one who's actually saved. Did you hear that? Those who don't quit, those who don't run, those who keep their faith, those who don't panic and maintain their peace, those who lean into the hard, lean into the pain, lean into the difficult so that they can learn and grow from it, those who make godly resolutions and stick to them, those who, and you're going to see Paul say that, that he kept the faith. He made resolutions and he kept and he stuck to them. Those who leverage their thorn for the glory of God. Those who endure to the end will be the ones who are saved, promoted, and rewarded. Now, do you see why the evil one does everything he can to divert, deter, and distract you? Listen, listen, from the time you are born until the time you finish. Your intimacy with God should be growing up until the day you breathe your last breath. Amen. You can't slack off. Some of you have slacked off. 
I slack off. And the people that I have surrounding me kick me in the butt. You need people to surround you, accountability people, to keep an eye on you spiritually and listen to them and respond. Because, you know, what's the, what's the question that they always, you know, tried to scare everybody with in the 70s? What if Jesus came back today? Would he find you a finisher? We should live every day thinking about that. What if he comes back today? May you find me striving to be holy for you. May you find me with my mouth moving, not just about the football game, the Super Bowl, video games, whatever it is. May you find me talking about you to everyone I know. And in your notes, this is the real reason that Satan hates finishers. Because the more we live like a finisher, the more we live like the finisher of our faith, Jesus, the more we expand God's territory on earth and increase the number of souls, one for his kingdom. That's the real reason why Satan hates finishers. Because he knows they're going to expand God's territory because that's what we're on a mission to do, right? Because Satan became the, the, the temporary ruler of this planet and we are trying to take territory from him. One person at a time. Good question to ask right now. Who are you leading to the Lord right now? Who are you working on? Who's your Becky? I'm going to do that sermon this year too, by the way. Probably sooner rather than later because some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Who's your Becky? Who's the person you're investing in right now? If you can't think of someone, you, you got some work to do. Otherwise, you may have to say, am I just living this life for me? And that's what we're going to talk about next week. Will God find me? Whether you believe in the rapture or not, but when I'm caught up in the air, will I be caught, would, I, would I be caught up in the air as I'm speaking Jesus to someone? Hey, wait, 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 wait. I need more, whoa, I need more time. I was just in the middle of a conversation, Lord. Yeah, well, wouldn't that be great? Jesus wouldn't ask us to do something that he wasn't willing to do himself. Jesus Christ was the true finisher. Listen to what he prayed to his father in heaven in John chapter 14, or John chapter 17. I think I got the chapter wrong. John chapter 17, 4. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing. He's talking to his father. I have brought you glory by finishing. I have brought you glory by finishing, by completing, by doing everything you've asked me, by accomplishing every task that you assigned me to do. I have brought you glory on earth by finishing the work you gave me to do. Do you all realize that he has given every one of us the work of Jesus? Can we say that to God the Father right now? I have completed every task that you've asked me to complete. The message version says this, by completing down to the last detail what you assigned me to do. Then on the cross at Calvary, Jesus cried, what did he cry at the cross? It is finished. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. If you don't have a Bible, there are black Bibles under the chair in front of you. Uh, it's page 1193, 1193. Hebrews chapter 12, New Testament. Page 1193. 
This is what the author of Hebrews had to say about this. I'm going to give you a minute to go there. Hebrews chapter 12. I'll be reading uh, for right now this first portion from the King James Version. Hebrews 12, uh, verse 2. Hebrews 12, verse 2. It says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. You realize what that's saying? Thank you, Jesus, for not quitting. Or we would not have eternal life in God's presence. The author and finisher of our faith. Thank God Jesus was a finisher. I'm not going to go on until I get some more amens. That was okay. Thank God Jesus was a finisher, right? Who for the joy... Who for the joy... Timing, Rick, timing. Who for the joy that was set before him, what? Endured the cross, despising the shame. Do you see how the scriptures are lining up? There's a word, endure. Jesus had to endure the hard to be a finish and still finish strong. So the heart is not supposed to take us out of the race. The heart is not supposed to take us out of church. The heart is not supposed to take us out of a marriage. Who for the joy that was set before him, was Jesus' ministry all joyful? Was his short life on earth as an adult in ministry joyful? No, but he saw it as joy. Why? Because he was doing it not for Mark Lutcher. He doesn't clean the church for Mark Lutcher. He doesn't even clean the church for you. He cleans the church for God the Father. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame. Listen, we run from God and our faith and our church over the littlest things. I realize they seem big to us in the moment. But in the big picture, most of them are not. You know why we run? Because we are led by our emotions. What does Dr. Shelley say? I know you're sick of me repeating it. Emotions are good indicators, not good leaders. But because in our society today, if you hurt me, if you hurt my feelings, I'm out of here. We don't lean into the hard. We run based on our emotions. Sadly, a lot of marriages are ending based on emotions. In fact, even death is not supposed to cause us to want to give up and get angry at God. Not even death. You need to read Isaiah 57, 1 and 2. Dorothy showed me this one this week, this verse this week, and it's, pretty inter- it's a pretty interesting thought on death. Isaiah 57, 1 and 2. Look it down, read it later. It is amazing what it says about death. And it actually says in there that we look at death in the wrong way. Christians, believers, look at death in the wrong way. That it's actually God saving us from the evil one and giving us eternal life. It's a, it's a crazy passage that I never noticed before. Thank you, Dorothy. Someone showed it to her and she passed it on to me, so she won't even take credit for it. My point is this. We give up so quickly. When life or relationships get hard, but, but you know what? I hope you agree with me that thank God Jesus didn't run away and lose his faith in God. When? And while and as he was being persecuted. 
Well, Pastor, you just don't know what I'm going through. Yeah, well, Jesus was abandoned. My husband left me. My wife left. Jesus was abandoned. Jesus was punished. He was abused. He was mocked. He was beat up. He was thrown down, whipped, stabbed, torn to shreds, nailed, hung up high to be shamed by the world, and killed innocently, by the way. So listen in your notes. Jesus was pressed, but not crushed. He was persecuted, but not abandoned. And he was struck down, and you say the last one, but not destroyed. That's from 2 Corinthians 4, 8 and 9, if you want to write that down, unless I put it in there. For those of you who are in a hard season right now, you need to sing that song at the top of your lungs. Right at Satan. I'm trading my sorrows. I'm trading my shame. You can sing with me so I don't sound so horrible. I'm trading it down for the joy of the Lord. I'm trading my sickness. I'm trading my pain. I'm laying it down for the joy of the Lord. I'm pressed but not crushed, persecuted, not abandoned. Struck down but not destroyed. I am blessed beyond the curse for his promise will endure. For his joy's going to be my strength. Though the sorrow may last for a night, his joy comes in the morning. Right? Thank you, Jesus, for being a finisher. What about you? Are you a finisher? What are you allowing life to do right now to take you out of being a God chaser? Running the race. What has put you on the sidelines? So maybe you'll, you'll go to heaven. Maybe you're just on the sidelines and you're not active for God. You're just working, sleeping, paying bills, feeding your kids and going back to work the next day. That's not a finisher, by the way. Now, what... In your notes, what happens when you finish strong? Well, the verse goes on, and then I'll, and I'll answer that question. What happens when you finish? Well, here it is. And it, and it is set down, and Jesus was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So what happens when you finish strong in your notes? You get to be in. I want you to, our human minds can't wrap, we cannot wrap our human minds around this. You get to be in, in the very presence of God for eternity. But, but, only if you're a finisher. So I'm about to do something that I don't normally do, but I felt inspired by the Holy Spirit to do it. And no, I'm not giving away free cars today. I'm, I'm not Oprah. If you're reading from your smartphone, switch to the message version of Hebrews chapter 12. The message version of Hebrews chapter 12. And what I'm talking about is, is I don't normally read long passages in a sermon because usually you lose people halfway through. So I want you to be with me in this. I want you to be present when we do this. I was blown away when I read the message version of Hebrews chapter 12, not the whole chapter, 1 through 17. This is an incredible description of what I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to be transformed by today. Remember Carmi's message on the Word of God, how powerful it is. So let's not take this lightly. This passage is actually titled Discipline in a Long Distance Race. This is crazy. 
Verse 1 of Hebrews 12, the message version. Do you see what this means? All these pioneers who blazed the way, all these veterans cheering us on. It means we better get on with it. We better strip down, start running, and never quit. No extra spiritual fat. Don't be over-religious. And no parasitic sin. Don't be the modern Christian who lives in sin and comes to church and thinks that God's okay with it. He's not okay with it. Sex outside of marriage is a sin, and he says you will not enter the kingdom of heaven. I'm sorry, I didn't write it. That's what it says. So we can't poo-poo sin. Verse 2, keep your eyes on Jesus who both began and finished this race we're in. What does it say next? Study how he did it if you want to know how to do it well. If you want to begin and finish, study how he did it. Because he never lost sight of where he was headed. That exhilarating finish in and with God. And this was a very interesting thing that it said next. He could put up with anything along the way. One of the things I'm trying to wrap my mind around right now, and I may have to go to some very smart people to help me with it, and maybe you're in the room and you can help me with it, is I want to battle this thing about us getting offended so easily. We are offended so easily now, and Jesus says, I could put up with anything along the way. I didn't have time to be offended with you because there were people dying and going to hell. He could put up with anything along the way. He could put up with anything along the way. He could put up with anything along the way. It did not deter him or distract him or divert him from what God wanted him to do, which was spread the gospel. Show the love of the Father. Show his heart to people. And he proved it. He endured the cross. He endured shame. And it says whatever else and we know what he endured next next paragraph and now he's there in the place of honor right alongside god when you find yourselves flagging that means weak or tired or declining in your faith go over that story again go to the gospels read about jesus item by item that long litany of hostility that jesus plowed through i love this passage he plowed through it. That will shoot adrenaline in your souls. In, all of the, in, in this all-out match against sin, others have suffered far worse than you. To say nothing of what Jesus went through, all that bloodshed. So don't feel sorry for yourselves that you're going through a hard season. No more pity parties. Hike up your skirt. Pick yourself up. And get to spreading the message. Stop focusing on you. Or have you forgotten how good parents treat children. And that God regards you as his child. My dear child, God says to you. Don't shrug off God. Or Jesus is saying. My dear child, don't shrug off God's discipline. But don't be crushed by it either. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. I hope the teenagers are listening. Because your parents love you, that's why they say no to you at times. 
You don't, you don't see it, you don't feel it, but that's exactly the way this is set up. The family unit is the same as the Trinity. It's the child he loves that he disciplines. The child he embraces, he also corrects. God is what? Educating us. That's why you must never drop out of the race. He's treating you as dear children. This trouble you're in isn't punishment. It's training the normal experience of children. Only irresponsible parents leave their children to fend for themselves. Teenager, listen to me. Only an irresponsible parent will let you do whatever you want to do. That is irresponsible. They are trying to set you up for success for life as an adult. Would you prefer an irresponsible God? We respect our own parents for training and not spoiling us, so why not embrace God's training so we can truly live? While we were children, our parents did what seemed best to them. They may get it wrong at times, but God is doing what is best for us, training us to live God's holy, holy Christian perfection, his holy best. At the time, discipline isn't much fun. It always feels like it's going against the grain. But later, of course, it pays off big time. For it is the well-trained who find themselves mature in their relationship with God. So, don't sit around on your hands. So don't sit around on your hands. Don't sit around in your church chair and do nothing outside of here. Outside of here. Don't just sit on your hands and listen to sermon after sermon after sermon and never get busy doing what God's called you to do. No more dragging your feet. You know what that means? No more excuses. Well, I don't know if I could, I don't know if I could teach the kids. I, I'm, you know, I'm kind of new to this and I just, I don't, well, I'm so busy. I just don't have time to invest in that. Stop dragging your feet. Clear the path, clear the path, clear your schedule. Clear the schedule for a long-distance runners so no one will trip and fall, so no one will step in a hole or sprain an ankle. Help each other out and run for it. Work at getting along with each other. Now, why is that in there? <laughs> Work at getting along with each other and with God. Otherwise, you'll never get so much as a glimpse of God. Make sure no one gets left out of God's generosity. Keep a sharp, sharp eye out for weeds of bitter discontent. Jealousy, pride, greed, envy, covetousness, and a lot more. A thistle or two gone to seed can ruin a whole garden in no time. Now, this is really interesting. <laughs> I just love the Word of God. I told somebody that I'm having so much fun studying for my sermons that I wish I could just go and close myself in a walled community with no people around. Because it is amazing. I'm having so much fun. But God didn't call me to do that. He didn't call you to be walled in and isolated. But I would love to be isolated right now just studying the word of God until I die. A little jealous of when Paul had that opportunity uh, in the Bible. Work, uh, watch out for the Esau syndrome. Hmm, that's interesting. What did Esau do? He traded away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You know what this is explaining? This is explaining the battle between your flesh and your spirit. Esau gave in to his flesh, and he sinned. And he wasn't in it for the long, long, lifelong gift. Well, I don't know if the Lord's ever going to come back. So what? 
the, the, the reality is, is whether he comes back while you're alive or not, even if you die and he still hasn't come back, you're going to be in his presence at judgment day. And you're going to have to give an answer for whether you ran the race well. Right? So the Esau syndrome, trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. You well know how Esau later regretted that impulsive act and wanted God's blessing. But by then, it was too late. Tears or no tears. So you women may be able to get out of a speeding ticket right now by crying. It doesn't work for us men. I tried. <laughs> All right, you know there's a law about men crying in public, so now you're getting another ticket. Tears or no tears. If he doesn't find you finishing strong, you won't even get a glimpse of him. It's the word. It's not mine. It's what the word says. Wow is right. All I can say is, wow, you're dismissed. I mean, right? Come on. What did we just read, folks? And yet we walk around saying things like, I just don't know what to do, Pastor. I just don't know why I should keep on living. I don't, I don't know what God wants for me. I don't even know if I believe anymore. Is God real? I mean, I don't feel him anymore. I don't know how to finish strong. I can barely make it through my day. I know I stopped coming to church. I know I read, stopped reading my Bible. I know I stopped following Jesus. But I still can't figure out why my marriage is falling apart. And now I'm struggling with anxiety and depression. And I just don't know what my purpose in life is anymore. Well, why don't you start reading and living Hebrews chapter 12? Right? This church needs finishers. This city needs finishers. This state and this country needs finishers. The world needs finishers. But most of all, the kingdom of God needs finishers, right? The question is, are you a finisher? The apostle Paul, with all of his issues, and he had many, was a finisher. This is what he said in 2 Timothy 4, 7. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race and I have remained faithful. So those three words sum it all up. I would just move them around a little bit and say this in your notes. These three words tell us how we will be able to fulfill our purpose. Fight, remain, and finish. I'll tell you in a minute why Paul switched them around. Because I think, I, I thought he blew it at first. And then I remembered he is the Apostle Paul. And it is the Word of God. And Mark's not smarter than him. So I found out what I believe is the reason he did it. But I moved them around for the sake of today's message. And, and really, I think that's the message. That's the, that's the flow. Fight anything or anyone that tries to discourage you, distract you, divert you, deter you, or destroy you. Listen, with the armor of God on. And I keep mentioning the armor of God. I may have to redo that series. Remain faithful. Keep your faith when the fight begins, during the battle, and after it is over. And you're starting to feel the pain and the wounds from the battles that you just went through. Uh, rest for a little while, then get back up and finish strong so that you can obtain the reward, the gift of eternal life in the very presence of God himself, the creator of the universe. You get to gaze upon him for the rest of eternity. You're not going to want to miss that. And it begins with having a relationship with Jesus. If you have not asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you won't get to see that. 
So start there and then figure out what does God want me to do? What is my purpose? And right here, it's laying it right out. Fight, remain, and finish. Fight the good fight, remain faithful, finish the race. Nehemiah was given an incredibly difficult task. If you've never heard the story of Nehemiah, you need to read about that in the Bible. He had to work with very depressed and unmotivated people to rebuild a wall. And he was a finisher. And this is what he said in Nehemiah 6. So the wall was finished. He was a finisher. Solomon, with his up and down relationship with God, he was also a finisher. In 2 Chronicles 7.11, it says, Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord. He was a finisher. Maybe not in all areas of his life, but he definitely was in some. Here's what I believe we can see from the word of God. When servants or believers of Jesus Christ see their assignments to completion, when they finish the work that God has given them to do, they expand God's territory on planet earth and souls are one for his kingdom. Are you a finisher? Jesus went to the cross on Calvary for all of us and in his last breath, he said, it is finished. So if you want to know what a finisher is in your notes, we're going to discuss that now in closing as we close this out. A finisher in your notes is someone who has decided to live this life for Jesus until their last breath and takes action to expand his territory on earth. A finisher is someone who has decided to live this life for Jesus, not themselves or other people even, just for Jesus, and Jesus will have you living for other people. Until their last breath, they will be ministering to the nurses and the doctors and their family on their deathbed and takes action to expand his ter territory on earth. My point is, and, and you might go, well, I don't know what my territory is. Do you have a job? There's your territory. Do you have a family? There's your territory. Do you have a neighborhood? There's your territory. Do you have a neighbor, which is anybody you come into contact with? You have territory. And there's a lot of territory on planet earth that Satan still owns. Only temporarily. My point is this. There is a difference between a believer who just sits on the sidelines of life and those who actually do something for God. And going to church is just one element. Listen, it's not the element. In fact, the reason that you come to church is to actually be equipped to go. You come here to be equipped to go and do something outside of the church for God. God's going to ask you. He's going to say, well, you're going to, you're, some of you, maybe, maybe you won't. I don't know what judgment's going to be like, but some of you may want to argue with God. When he says, I know you not. What, what do you mean? I sat in church every Sunday. Yeah, exactly. You sat on your hands in church every Sunday. I was a good person. I went to church every, yeah, good doesn't get you to heaven. Forgiveness does. But I gave to Salvation Army every Christmas. Every time I walked by a kettle, I threw a diamond or a dollar. Yeah, well, so you're a good, you're a good boy. Yeah, I'll give you that. But I don't know who you are. And maybe he'll say, remember when I asked you to do this one thing? What about that? I don't think that's how judgment's going to go. But if we could argue, I, I, I wouldn't if I was you. How about we just settle it right now? How about we just settle in our heart right now that I'm going to be a good finisher and do what God has called me to do to go and make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and teaching them what I have taught you. 
How about that? We're not supposed to just sit here Sunday after Sunday listening to a message and doing nothing with that because the Bible's clear. Faith without works is dead. You don't really have faith because faith moves you to do something for the Lord. Followers of Jesus were never called to just sit idle and wonder why the world is falling apart. Let me repeat that. Followers of Jesus, followers of Jesus were never called to just sit idle and then sit in a circle downstairs at the food and wonder why the world is falling apart while we wait for the rapture to save us. No, followers of Jesus are called to get in the game and expand God's territory. Now, why is that so important? Because that is what we are going to be judged according to. What did we do? What did we do? What did we do with our time, talents, and our finances and possessions? What did we do with them while we were on planet Earth? Did we expand God's territory and our own, or did we expand our own territory? In your notes, finishers do less talking and more doing. (laughs) Spiritual people aren't people that can just run around quoting scriptures. What does the Bible say? You will be known by your scripture quoting. How intelligent you are. How many rules and legalistic you are. You will be known by your fruit. Finishers do less telling. They do less telling others to do. And they prove it with their own life. Finishers do less telling and more proving. Think about this. In Genesis chapter 18, I really want you to lean into this. God and Abraham was standing in Genesis chapter 18. And they were looking at the city of Sodom and Gomorrah. If you know the story, you know what they were seeing. It was not good. But I want to ask for the, the sake of this message is, what do you think God was looking for? If you know the story, you know he was looking for finishers. He was looking for finishers. Exactly. Righteous people. He literally said in verse 21, I am going down to see if their actions are as wicked as I have heard. If not, I want to know. In verse 26, if I find, if I find... 50, how, what? What is he looking for? Righteous. righteous people. Do you know what righteousness means? Right with God. If I find anyone who is right with God, with me in Sodom, I will spare the entire city for their sake. I wonder what the Lord sees when he looks at planet Earth right now, when he looks at America right now, when he looks at the state of Pennsylvania and the city of Dubois. I wonder what he sees right now as he looks it upon us. How many righteous people will he find in this group? Sadly, most of us know how that story ended. There wasn't enough finishers to save the city. Are you a finisher? Because we could be living in a Sodom and Gomorrah moment right now today. Where God is looking upon the earth wondering if he needs to come back right now. Maybe God is looking to see if there's enough finishers in the world who will rise up, answer his call, and do his work. Let's read it again and add verse 8 to it. We're going to go back to the 2 Timothy 4 and see what you see, what you obtain for maintaining your calling to expand the territory of God by going and making disciples. 2 Timothy 4, 7 through 8. We're almost done. Hang in there. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I have remained faithful. Verse 8. And now the prize awaits me. 
the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And the prize is not just for me, but for all who eagerly look forward to his appearing. Now, I don't want you to misread that. It doesn't mean you sit on in your comfortable church chair sitting idle waiting for the rapture to happen to save you. If you are eagerly looking, if you are eager, if you are in the, just a glimpse, if you have a glimpse of being eager for God, you will know what the word says. I'm not coming back until everybody hears the word, until everybody hears the gospel. He's waiting for us to get off of our idle butts and share the gospel with our coworkers. I believe that the message today is simply this. It's easy to begin a race. It's even easy to run hard for a few miles, but it is much harder to finish a long distance race and even harder to finish strong in your notes. Maybe Paul is telling Timothy and us that the Christian life is not a short sprint race, but a long distance race that challenges us to run well, keep the pace, keep pace, stay focused, and finish strong. Run well, keep the pace, stay focused, and finish strong. And when Paul says, I have kept the faith, by the way, he's basically saying that I ran the race according to the rules. That I kept my vows that I made to God. That even when the race was long, lonely, and difficult, I have kept Christ a priority in my life, in my heart, and in my mind. That's what he's saying when, I said, when he said, I kept the faith. I didn't finish it. Thank you. I kept Christ. I consider my life worth nothing to... Wait, wait, no, 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 no. That's where I was? Yes. I'm confused. I skipped ahead. Oh, I, I didn't read Acts 20, 20, uh, 24. Uh, this is what Paul said years before 2 Timothy. I consider my life worth nothing to me if only may I, I may finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task, what's the task? What is our purpose in life? I don't know what my purpose is, Pastor. It's all throughout the Word of God. Read it. Your purpose is all over the Word of God. But what is it going to look like? I don't know. But why don't you read the Word of God to find out what it is, and then He will show you, if you have intimacy with the Holy Spirit, He'll tell you what it looks like day to day. Run well, keep pace, stay focused, and finish strong. You know what Paul found out? Because he kept Christ as the priority of his heart and mind, that the Lord's grace was sufficient for his every need. Consider your own life for a moment. You may be feeling the pressure of life. Just close your eyes for a minute. Worship team, come. Don't be distracted. I want the worship team to focus as well. I want you to consider your own life. You may be feeling the pressure of life on all sides of you. The challenges you are facing may seem unbearable, relentless, whatever word you would put in there. But the question today is, do you have the same kind of hope and assurance that the Apostle Paul had? 
and his God. Whether your race has just begun, you're brand new to the faith, or maybe you're at the midpoint, you've been a believer for a while, or maybe you're, you're nearing the finish, you can have the same peace that Paul had if you run with Jesus at your side. And listen, none of us can fight, none of us can remain faithful, and none of us can finish strong without the help of the Spirit of God. The point is, don't run alone. You will not finish. Thank you for listening to this message from Dubois Light and Life Church. We hope you're blessed by it. To hear more messages or get more information about Light and Life Church, please visit DuboisFMC.org or check us out on Facebook.